So I hallucinated cars up in the trees and patio furniture. I think I just wanted to see the parking lot really badly. (laughs) So I kept seeing so much patio furniture and so many just old Oldsmobiles like up in the trees. Then the hallucinations progressed. And on the last descent, I was seeing this family of birds Snow White has just dancing in front of me and leading me down the trail. <laughs> so, Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Hello, we are back. <laughs> we sure are. And now that Western's over, it's my turn. What? And I just signed up for my very first stage race. Wow. And I'm so excited. Which one's that? It's called Run the Rocks, Moab Run the Rocks. Mm. It's taking place March 2023, and it covers 80K over the course of three days. And that is It's first year, right? Yes, it's the inaugural running and it's sold out very quickly. (laughs) So I'm lucky to get in and we're going down with a few fellow Ontarioans. Ontarioans, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if that's a word, but hey, I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah, so that's exciting. That is exciting. And that's going to be a winter training for a March race. Yeah, let's not talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) I've blocked that part out of the equation. Yeah, we are very picky with our spring races. Apparently not, because I just signed up for 80K in March, so... Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Who we got today, Norm? Well, first, what's happening in the world of Gotta Run Racing? What's coming up? I'm I'm wearing Chase the Coyote. Final edition of Chase the Coyote. And if you can't race, or you are racing, and you want to check out the course, we're doing a training run on August the 14th. Yep. So check out our Gotta Run Racing Facebook page for details on that. Mm-hmm. Hope to see you there. Yeah, it's going to be something. Sure My is. final year, and I changed the course to make it new again for its final year. <laughs> nothing major, nothing major. Okay. Who is on the podcast today? We have Joanna Ford, who's fresh off of Hard Rock. Ugh. Tell me about Hard Rock. <laughs> well, I will tell you about Hard Rock. It is... Starts and ends in Silverton, Colorado, crossing 13 major passes over 3,500 meters. Yeah. And each year, the run is in opposite direction of the previous year's run. Yeah, which is interesting. And I'm, it, Sorry? I'm just wondering which direction would be better or more strategic. Like, would you rather go this way or that way? Yeah. Well, we'll see if Joanna has an opinion on that. Yeah. In order to complete the event, instead of crossing a finish line, runners are required to kiss the hard rock, a picture of a ram's head painted on a large block of stone mining debris. I'm sure we've all seen that photo. Yeah. The cutoff time's 48 hours, which tells you a lot. <laughs> At the end, though, can you just give it a fist pump? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. Post-COVID? Yeah. Well, they're still kissing it. It's yeah. a big rock. Yeah, you, you, you can find a spot. Only 145 runners, so you could be selective. Maybe kiss the back of the ram's head rather than the front. There you go. So. <laughs> Without further ado, here's Joanna. Coming up. Welcome, Joanna, forward okay. to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> and a big congrats on finishing Hard Rock. Wow. Thanks. Yes, it was a big goal. Took a lot of years to get there. And thanks to Leo Fung, who 
introduced us to you. He was also at Hard Rock finishing. Yes, yes. Leo and I are great friends, and I can't believe he did Western States and Hard Rock. That's amazing. I can't believe that either. I, I don't know how he's... He couldn't have been recovered in time, but clearly he was recovered enough to finish that beast. <laughs> he took off from the gun. Both Chris and I, who are also, were also running it, were like, oh, look at Leo go. And he just like took off. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we're going to talk about Hard Rock and other things. But first, let's go back to the beginning and tell us how you even started running. I've always been interested in running. I read about Terry Fox as a child. So ever since I read about him running marathons across the country, I thought, oh, I want to do that. But I wasn't very disciplined as a kid. I just wanted to do whatever I wanted. So it took, I don't know, in my early 20s, I probably started running more consistently and ran my first marathon. And then after a couple of road marathons, I fractured a foot in the Boston Marathon. And then I decided that long distance running wasn't for me and that maybe I should stick to short distances. And I went for a trail run and they lied to me about how long it was. <laughs> and I think everyone has a story like that about trail running. <laughs> yeah. And I realized I could run a long time. I just maybe didn't like running on roads. So that was kind of the catalyst once I got introduced to that group and understood that on trails, it's a much softer surface and you can go for a lot longer. Yeah, I just kind of went from there and now you can see it's 100 milers and whatever else. And it's super fun. Did you say that you uh, fractured your foot during Boston? Was it a stress fracture? Uh, yes, it was a stress fracture. I didn't feel it during the race, but I probably fractured it during the race. I just, after the race, my foot hurt and it wasn't getting better. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's also a story many people have. <laughs> so I eventually like went to get it checked out and then ended up on crutches for like, six weeks. And yeah, that's the only stress fracture I've had though. So since then I've kind of figured it out a lot more trail and also a lot more eating. I eat a lot now. <laughs> I think that was pretty key. Yeah. Tell us about your first ultra. What was it and how long was it? My first ultra was Rundle's Revenge, which was a 50K in Canmore. And I was doing it as a training run for my first 50 mile run, which was like my big goal. It's called Iron Legs. It's a race in Alberta. I had volunteered at it the year before and was just blown away at the runners that were completing this race. So I was really inspired and said, oh, I want to run Iron Legs. So yeah, I ran Rundle's Revenge 50K, which is a four loop kind of easy trail run to get 50K uh, six weeks before Iron Legs. Okay. Wow. All right. When did Hard Rock come on your radar? Um, and in 2013, I ran my first 100 miler, which was Pine to Palm. And it was a Hard Rock qualifier. So that's oh. when the lottery process started. I don't remember when I first heard about Hard Rock, but I definitely knew about it when I was running Pine to Palm. And I thought, you know, maybe like five years or so I, until I got into the race. Um, and here I am nine years later, but <laughs> it happened eventually. Yeah. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know Pine to Palm. That's hard to say five times. <laughs> yeah. Once it's hard to say. <laughs> but I thought, when looking at your profile, that fat dog would have been your first 
Mm. Yeah. So pine to palm isn't a qualifier anymore, okay. but it was at the time. Uh, so again, just to give like a scope of the time frame. Yeah. Fat dog. Uh, I'm not sure. Like it might have run bighorn. I'm not sure. Maybe fat dog or maybe bighorn was my next one. And then I've run bighorn a couple times as a qualifier. So mm. yeah. Let's let's talk about fat dog for an for a moment here because tough tough race. <laughs> let's yeah. take us through fat dog. So I ran it the wet dog year. So there was torrential storms and a series of them. There was a huge number of dropouts from people getting hypothermia and it was like really, really terrible weather. And I always joke that when I run races with Leo, that he always brings the terrible weather. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Leo was there. And I was doing really well at that race, but I got some shin pain. There's a series of really long descents and also it was really muddy and I just hadn't trained adequately for running that long a descent. So I got a shin injury and I tried to quit. Um, my husband, who's not a runner, is not active at all, came out and found me on the course and he wouldn't let me quit. And Aww. I remember being so angry with him <laughs> that he wouldn't let me stop. But he's like, no, you got to qualify for hard rock. This is, this is your dream race, you know? So he, as a non-runner, he walked with me for 55 kilometers. Wow. Are you that race. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty funny because he actually ran out of water. So I had to give him my water. And then we were up high on the mountain and he's afraid of heights. So I gave him my poles to like <laughs> help him with the, <laughs> with the heights. And then we joke that that's like the perfect pacer situation because I was so concerned about him that I couldn't worry about myself anymore. <laughs> so. Good strategy. Wow, I that, like it. That, that's a great story. The fact that he became the perfect crew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really an epic. I, it took me almost 45 hours and it was, I walked a hundred kilometers and it was, it was so painful. My ankle was super swollen and it was not at the time it was quite a negative experience, but now I'm very grateful that we stuck with it. And my shin injury, like, honestly, it was fine. Like five days later, no pain. So it was the right call. But at the time I was a bit soft and <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know how to distinguish between like long-term injury pain and just pain like 100 milers are painful so yeah everybody that we've spoken to that's done fat dog has hallucinated at some point during that race so did that happen to you <laughs> yeah it's the race um with my best hallucinations and my first one so i hallucinated like cars up in the trees and patio furniture i think i just wanted to see the parking lot like really badly <laughs> So I kept seeing so much patio furniture and so many just old Oldsmobiles like up in the car, but then the, or in the trees, then the hallucinations progressed. And on the last descent, I was seeing like this family of birds, like Snow White has, like just like dancing in front of me and leading me down the trail. <laughs> so 
Well, that's, that's a fun one. Yeah, that's a, yeah. not scary, at least. <laughs> no, I've never had a scary hallucination. And the patio furniture I've had since then as well. I think like around 30 hours, it's quite normal. <laughs> um, if you're in the forest, I think it's just like how the trees look. But I haven't had the birds since then. So, yeah. Did you sleep at all during that 45? No. And it took me a long time to recover, like probably a month, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was that how long of a race was that compared to your last hundred? Well, that's 120, so you can't really compare. But hours wise, how much longer? Um, well, I think kind of Palm was like what 31, 32. Okay. Somewhere. Yeah, like all of my hundreds, if you look, like I have like some couple sub 24s, <laughs> and then I have over 30, and there's nothing <laughs> in between. <laughs> so. I'm an all or nothing type person. <laughs> I was just going to say, go big or go home. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Would you ever do fat dog again? Yeah. You know, I really liked it. And that particular shin injury, I think it's just like a rite of passage when you're building up volume and getting used to doing more vert. So I don't think it would happen again. And I feel like the course is well suited to me, but the course has changed. Like, five times since mm -hmm. then uh, they keep having like fires and floods and whatever. So I'm a bit worried about signing up in case it gets canceled because it tends to get canceled and, or if it's like really smoky because I, I won't run in smoke. So kind of sucks to like train and pay for a race and then not run it. But yeah. 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 But, it, but it sounds that going back, you could probably do a lot better than 45 <laughs> hours. <laughs> yeah, I think before I got hurt, like at the 100k mark, I think I was in like third. And I was like feeling really good. And then, yeah, like I said, all or nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Now yeah. you you've done Bighorn a couple of times 2017 and 2019. And they were both around the 30 hour mark. So another tough one, but how did, how did they go for you? I always have big aspirations for Bighorn because I feel like it's another race that I could potentially do super well, but yeah, I, I haven't. <laughs> so Bighorn, I don't know if you've run it, but it's really deceptively challenging course. And in Alberta, we have snow till June and then Bighorn's in June. So it's really hard to train mm -hmm. for it. And then Bighorn tends to be like super muddy and I, I just hate mud. And my two finishes at Bighorn, I just lost my mind. I was so angry at the world and at everything and at this stupid race and, you know, it's like a really negative attitude and yeah. So maybe I'll do Bighorn again one day just to like <laughs> do it with a better attitude. But I love the course. It's stunningly beautiful. It has amazing flowers. It's super well organized. Community is really good. I like, like the other racers are awesome. So there's a lot of positive, but a hundred miles in June is really challenging. And yeah. Yep. <laughs> Western States happens to be in June. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. The uh, fat dog, were you fighting cutoffs? in that one or you felt pretty much safe you felt that you're going to finish no matter what or were there any doubts 
No, I had doubts for sure. I, I was a big baby. Like I was bawling my eyes out in the middle of the trail and a friend of mine came past me and he's like, you can still finish. You only have to do like three kilometers an hour or two kilometers an hour or something like that. And I'm like, there's no way I can do two kilometers an hour. And I was just being so dramatic. And I had made up my mind to quit. And he had some ibuprofen on him. And I normally I don't take pink painkillers when I run. Um, but because I decided to quit, I was like, well, now I can take some painkillers. So I took those off him and they didn't seem to help the pain really at all. But that was like my sign that I was quitting. Um, <laughs> then I didn't quit, but <laughs> sorry, I lost my train of thought, but it, I was a big baby. <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because Bighorn was a tough 45 hours, but I'm oh, sorry. Um, fat, fat dog, dog was, yeah. but Bighorn, you were not fighting cutoffs. You still had, no. Yeah. So, and to be honest, I wasn't fighting. Like I still had, I think a couple hours. Yeah. yeah. What I would. Yeah. So that dog in the end, it, I wasn't fighting cutoffs, but like in the heat of it, when you feel like a failure, it can, it can seem like you are bighorn. Like I had aspirations for placing a lot better and I was trying to be more competitive and mm. I think that's really dangerous in 100 milers to get ahead of yourself and to focus on outcome goals instead of the process goals and so for sure bighorn I've made that mistake more than once <laughs> I have a couple DNFs there as well so yeah I mean it's just learning curve right so for sure yeah <laughs> You had several tickets going into Hard Rock. Uh, where and when were you? Where were you and how you found out? What was the experience like? When you, Were you following the, the lottery closely? No. <laughs> I went out for a run and I was out of cell range. <laughs> oh. Nice. So I just did like my own thing. I think I was, I, yeah, I had just got a... A new dog adopted a new dog and so I was out running with her and then yeah I came home and then I'm like well I should probably check my phone <laughs> and then my friend who was also running hard rock had, had messaged me and he's like congrats you're in and I was actually one of the first names drawn so oh. um, yeah that's pretty cool had you been following it in previous years and you just decided to take another tactic this year <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in the past, I'd been more involved and more hopeful. I'd actually given up on Hard Rock, to be honest. I, I didn't think that I was eligible uh, for the lottery this year. And then I realized that I was just with like the cancellations and rollovers and stuff. The 2019 Bighorn ended up being okay. So I was like, I wasn't going to bother qualifying anymore and was going to move on. So Aww. yeah, I know. <laughs> So I'm pretty happy that it all worked out. And I think maybe that's where I needed to get to, right? So, Can you explain the lottery for our listeners who don't really understand it? The fact that you could do a race and it's good for two years. Is that how it works? Hey, guys. If you like what you're hearing so far, then check this out. We're back for our 10th and final year of the Chase the Coyote Trail Race. 
That's right, folks. It's your last chance to chase that coyote. If you've always wanted to tackle Cardiac Hill, climb the 64 steps to ruin, or navigate the roots of all evil, this will be your last chance. We've even added two more K to the 14K route to give you a chance to see more of Mono Cliffs Provincial Park. Registration is now open for the 50, 25, and 16K races at GottaRunRacing.com. Now back to Jody and Norm. Yes, so there's only select 100-mile racers races that count as qualifiers. And for Canadians, it's quite challenging because Fat Dog has normally been the only qualifier that's in Canada. And now there's Whistler Alpine Meadows just added this year. And then there's a few, there's more races in the States. I think there's maybe 20 of them and they're all really tough mountain hundreds. And many of them also have lotteries to get in. So like races like Cascade Crest, for example. Um, So that can be a bit frustrating when you're trying to figure out how to plan your qualifiers if you have to enter a lottery to get into the lottery. (laughs) Yeah, so your qualification is good for two years. And then if you've never ran Hard Rock, then you're in one lottery. And if you've run Hard Rock before, then you're in a different lottery. And um, until recently, there's a third bucket where if you'd run, run Hard Rock before five or more times, then you're in a third bucket. So it gets a bit convoluted. And then this year they added trying to increase female participation. So what they did is whatever percentage of females entered the lottery, that percentage of females was guaranteed to be drawn for the race. Oh, awesome. Um, Yeah. So this year we had 27 females in the race, which was uh, by far the most ever at Hard Rock. So that was kind of cool. Wow. What do you think about that system and the fact that if you've run it before, you're in a separate bucket. What do you think about that? When there's only 145 entrants overall. And, and people are trying to get in. Yeah. I think the ratios need to be adjusted. And I think, uh, so going forward, they're getting rid of the five-year bucket. I think that makes sense. Like, there's no reason why you need people. And they're, like, it's really cool. Like, Kirk Ack this year ran his 26th Hard Rock. And, you know, it was really amazing to see him accomplish that goal. And you could see it was really meaningful. So I definitely wouldn't want to take that away from anybody if they have big goals like that. But I think it having the two buckets instead of the three makes sense. And then I think increasing the size of the newbie bucket would also make sense. But having done the race now, I can see, I can understand why they would want to have a high proportion of veterans because the course is really challenging. And I think the altitude is, if you've never run at altitude before, it can be shocking how much it affects your body. So it's good to have people out there with experience for that side of it. So I can see both sides. Sure. So you had three races Mm -hmm. And you were trying to get in for six, seven years. Is that basically right? Yeah. Well, my first uh, lottery entry was 2013, but then the race got canceled a couple of times. So I think it ended up being nine years from entry to running it. (laughs) And you're such a different runner now than you were nine years ago, right? (laughs) I can relate. Yeah. Yeah, And if you think about women, and this is why I think it's really crucial they make some different rules for women is if you have a baby, right? Like, 
So if you get pregnant and then you breastfeeding and you're expected to run a hundred mile, like tough mountain qualifier in there to qualify, because really like having a baby is not a one-year process. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I do think it's really important to have some like general exceptions in there for women. And I think that might be part of the reason why female participation has been so low. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Now, before we get to race day, I want to acknowledge that you're quite a mountain woman. You're, <laughs> you seem to have been on a quest for the last few years to summit as many peaks as you can. So clearly that's prepared you for, <laughs> for your arrival at the Hard Rock start line. But just tell us a little bit about that and how that started. Yeah, I love mountains and where we are, they're really accessible. Uh, we, the front ranges, we can scramble up them year round. So, and I'm really lucky. Um, I have a lot of freedom in my life. So I can just go out before or after work um, and just scramble up the mountain. Many years ago, I decided I wanted to climb like 25 new, new to me peaks every year. Um, and I've been doing that, I think since maybe 2014 or something like that. Now, and it's been super fun because it forces me to get out to different areas. And initially, like 25 peaks is not hard. But now as I start to tick off more and more peaks, it's like I'm starting to have to think about it. <laughs> this year, I only have 12 peaks so far, right? So I need to, oh. I need to get my butt in gear. <laughs> yeah, so it's super fun. I love to explore. I love to look at maps. I love hiking. Like I actually, I love hiking more than running, to be honest, if I can say that on this podcast. <laughs> sure you can. <laughs> and I, I love to be by myself in the mountains. So make it, forcing myself to do more obscure or like finding different routes up maybe a mountain I've done before, but a different way up is super fun. Yeah. So that's kind of where that comes from. So those 13 peaks in the race don't count towards the total. <laughs> No. Oh, good <laughs> no. question. So, like, Handy's Peak had already been up before. That's the only actual summit okay. in the race. And, yeah, I know. And you know what? When I went down to acclimate pre-race, part of me wanted to just peak bag and just get, like, 25 <laughs> Colorado summits. <laughs> uh, but then I didn't. I was like, oh, I actually care a lot about, like, I cared a lot about doing well at Hard Rock. So I tempered my enthusiasm a little bit. Okay. So leading yeah. into the race and you're standing at the start line, did you feel prepared? Were you ready? Yeah, I was as ready as I could be. I had some like health issues in 2019, 2020. Um, and I had like the end of that was a bone graft in December, 2020. Mm -hmm. So like basically when my name was drawn from the lottery, I was in like the worst shape I've been in a very long time. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I did the best I could in those six months, you know, leading up. And I was happy with that. I wasn't like, I'm not in the best shape of my life, but I was, I was, you know, pretty good. So, well, you and I have a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Let's talk race day. <laughs> How are you feeling at the start line? All good? Uh, yeah, I was pretty good. And it was clockwise this year. Did you have any preference as to which direction, if you could have chosen? I had no preference because I had no idea. 
Like, yeah, okay. I think ignorance um, is bliss. <laughs> yeah, like I couldn't, like talking to people, I guess clockwise is supposed to be slightly easier. I, like if you look at the times, I think there's like not a clear difference between each direction. I think both directions are very hard. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, no preference, but I would like to go back and experience it the other way just to see. It'll probably feel like a totally new race. So that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's amazing how changing direction can change your mental game 100%. It's, it's quite unique yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the first 10 hours. Okay. Yeah. So the first 10 hours I went off, I tried to be kind of slow, but it's hard to do. So I just ended up settling in with a group of guys and just kind of like, shuffle walked ran up like as a very long gradual climb up the first climb um and then i knew because i've done one other race at altitude i knew that i can't digest fat at altitude at all so i had a pure sugar diet basically <laughs> planned and then i was hoping to eat real food at the aid stations which are like where i saw my crew which was lower altitude and then i'd also like actually like physically stop walking and eat just to like lower my heart rate and to take a few breaths rather than trying to run and eat at the same time. So I was sticking to that plan pretty well and it was really good. Um, and my friend Chris and I were kind of in the same general area, which was fun. And then we came to the first descent and I love descending. So then I was gone <laughs> <laughs> and that was, that was super fun. And it was, um, just beautiful waterfalls everywhere, like wildflowers everywhere, just stunning and nice. And then we came up to the next climb and uh, Jamil Curry passed me at the aid station there. And we had done some of uh, Whistler Alpine Meadows together. So I kind of know a little bit of his pacing. I'm like, ah, oh, man, like I shouldn't be going at the same pace as... <laughs> <laughs> So I was happy he passed me. <laughs> he, was, he was trying to keep up with his brother, I think. <laughs> yeah. He looked very comfortable. Um, but I think, I don't know, I might have been going a bit quick. It's hard to say. I felt really good, though. And then we got headed up uh, Grant Swamp Pass, I think is what it's called. On the way up, initially on that climb, I got stung by a bee or something in my leg. So that was uncomfortable. But then you just kind of like move on. <laughs> and uh, there was a ton of media and people taking pictures and stuff on that section. And I really run 100 milers because I want to be by myself in nature and just enjoy myself. And uh, like it kind of got to me. And that's like probably the only part where I feel like I could have mentally been a bit better because there's just so many people. And so I was trying to give back to them by smiling and being like, Hey, thanks for being here and whatever. <laughs> but you know, like internally, I'm like, oh, I just want to be by myself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was really, really beautiful. And I was excited to see I Island Lake and, but I pushed too hard on that climb for sure. Mm -hmm. I did. And just because I was trying to get away 
some people. And then on the other side was a scree slope, which in Alberta, we have scree everywhere. Oh, uh, like that. The worst. Oh, okay. Well, for me, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Can you slide down? <laughs> yeah. So I had a blast. I just took off and there was no one on the other side, except I could see like Leo, like in the distance. On oh. So I just like took off and it just felt like a million bucks and caught up to Leo. And it's funny because afterwards when I uploaded to Strava, I got the course record on all three segments on the descent. Wow. wow. I like, yeah, I definitely, I just wanted to like get away. <laughs> But again, probably a bit too fast. I don't know. So for us flatlanders, what's the key to handling downhills on scree? Oh, I think just not breaking. Just let your feet go. Or yeah. just close your eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you should just smile and have fun. Just pretend you're skiing, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's incredible. Yeah. Whereabouts is Island Lake? I have the map mm -hmm. in front of me. I'm, and I'm asking only because we have an Island Lake in Orangeville and it looks nothing like this one. <laughs> so I said to Norm before we started this podcast, we have to go to Island Lake in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's it's just before Silverton. Oh, uh, okay. Between between Uri and Silverton. Okay. So it's on the section of course when you're going from Silverton to Telluride. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a really well-maintained trail. So nice. like it, there were tons of people hiking it. So I haven't hiked it from wherever people were parking, but it seemed like probably a hundred people hike it a day easily. Wow. So Nice. Yeah. Now you mentioned you out. mentioned that you like to be alone on course, which yeah. you know you train alone. It's it's only natural. I, I personally, I think I'm in the the lower percentile of women who don't like to talk when they run. <laughs> <laughs> so I I totally get where you're coming from, but with a, a hundred miles and 150 runners, how much were you alone? Because I, Norm yeah. was saying yeah. at Western, three hundred and seventy-five runners. He wasn't alone I, I that was much. Never alone. Never, yeah. never alone. Um, well, I think Western has a ton of aid stations, so that yeah. probably contributes. Um, so once we got past uh, Grant Swamp Pass, there was some significant alone alone time, mm. and then it was kind of off and on. I felt like the the course kind of went through phases of more remote and then more established trails. Mm. Um, and then you could always tell when it was easily accessible to media because suddenly there'd be a bunch of cameras. <laughs> so yeah, it was there was definitely some alone sections. And between Sherman and Maggie Gulch, so like this is towards the end of the course, mm -hmm. was very remote. And it reminded me I did a thousand kilometer hike uh in 2020 up and it went north of jasper and there's a section there that's just like mud bogs and you feel like you're the only human in the world and that section reminded me a lot of that hike so there's definitely some alone sections when yeah. the sun set for the first time hopefully you're on a mountain to see the sunset were you I was headed up bear creek so i was just kind of peeking above uh, tree line when it set so I could see pink on the horizon but nice. then I was in this canyon where there's like a cliff on our left and like a big drop off on our right and that's where most of my sunset occurred so yeah. I didn't see 
But I saw pictures of the sunset. It looked pretty cool. <laughs> so running eight hours during the night, mm-hmm. anything interesting happen? I just guess you're vomit. with your... Just like, so, just so much vomiting. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like the first vomiting happened, happened during the day. There was um, a torrential downpour um, as I was coming down from Kroger's canteen. And it was, it was just nuts. And I tucked into an outhouse to put on a rain jacket and use the facilities. And when I got out, I was chewing on some gummies and I thought that I just had one kind of stuck in my throat. So I coughed and then I just speared everywhere. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. Another runner, another Canadian, Nat, uh, was running down the road and saw me like curled up on the, <laughs> on the side. <laughs> and so he he joined me for the rest of the way down into Gray. And I kind of was hoping that would be the only vomiting of the race. Because sometimes you can get away with it, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, then on the way up Bear Creek, it wasn't full vomiting. It was dry heaving. And so I was just, you know, like curled up like in so much pain. My stomach was just tied in knots and I couldn't even stand up straight and nothing was coming out. <laughs> so that was really uncomfortable. Yeah. And then the last of the vomiting was at sunrise. Oh. <laughs> Great. So it was ma- many miles. <laughs> So it reminded you of your uh, college days. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wow. No uh, wildlife sightings through the night or hearing any crazy sounds or anything? Um, no, no. Night is boring. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You, you miss a lot. You, you miss the scenery at night. You're just one foot in yeah. front of you. Yeah. It was like pretty cool to see that the moon was really bright and the, like it was a clear night. So the stars were out and going over handies. It was actually like quite cold up there. And I do love, I love mountains at night because you just feel so exposed. So that was like, that was pretty cool. Yeah. But the sun rose basically as I got back down into the valley to the next aid station. So. Yeah. yeah, I could have been a bit slower, and then I could have seen sunrise on handy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. your goal was now to hopefully finish before the sun sets again? Yeah. Yeah, like I never had a firm goal because I knew the altitude would just really mess with me. Like it's it's really entirely different from running a race at like home level, right? Like I live... You know, like our mountains, when I went down there, anything over 7,000 feet was still snow covered. Mm-hmm. And then on this race, I think the lowest you get is like 9,000 feet. So it's like, you know, it's like, it's not the same and your body functions very differently. So I, I knew that it was going to be a problem, especially with eating food was going to be really hard and figuring out the pacing was going to be really hard because it feels like your legs aren't even moving. Right. And yet your, your heart rate's like skyrocketed, but you're not going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I I had like a dream goal of like being between 32 and 33 hours, but I know the knew the only way that could happen would be if I didn't vomit. So (laughs) as soon as I felt nauseous, I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) plan B. (laughs) Yeah. Which, you know, there was a very slim chance I was going to avoid 
getting sick. So I was okay with that. And then I felt like once I realized I was going to be fighting the nausea battles and that I mentally, I stayed with it and I just kept moving and I was really happy to finish before sunset. Cause that would have like, that would have sucked. Right. <laughs> Take out that headlamp again. And you've been awake for so long. And at that point you just feel like you're not even moving. You're just like standing in place. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, after nine years of trying, what's going through your mind as you're approaching the finish line? Like, can you believe that? Is it feeling surreal that you're you just done it? And <laughs> are you are you sad that yeah. it's over? Yeah. <laughs> On your mark, get set, listen up. Looking for a fun way to wrap up your summer? Join us on Labor Day Monday for the 10th annual Island Lake Classic. Events include a fast 5K, a scenic 10K around the entire lake, and a free kids fun run. The autumn colors will be on display at Island Lake Conservation Area in Orangeville, Ontario. Registration is now open at gotterunracing.com. And I'm off! Back to the show. <laughs> There's a lot of gratitude. Like I had a lot of hurdles, like life challenges going into this race, probably more than any other race I've gone into. So for me, just to like make it there and to do it and to like be proud of myself and the way I completed it, so just from a mental mindset perspective, just like really grateful. And then also I knew there was two ladies right behind me. So <laughs> yeah. I, uh, on the last climb, we all left the aid station together Ooh. and they were looking super strong, but I told myself, I'm like, they're just faking it. Cause like I can fake it. They can fake it. So I, I took a caffeine pill for the last climb, which I knew, you know, they, there's diminishing returns. And when you do that, you just, get all the glycogen out of your muscles and there's nothing left. Right. So took a caffeine pill, ate some sugar and just tried to get up as fast as I could. Cause it was switchbacks and I was mm. just trying to get out of sight so that they wouldn't try to chase me mm. and it worked. So I was able to get over the top and a few switchbacks ahead. And I know that they, like one of them is a friend of mine and I know that they thought I was like this good descender, <laughs> but little did they know I could not run downhill. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> so I, yeah, I walked every step of that downhill, but I oh. walked it like as fast as I, I could at the time, you know, which if you look at Strava was not very fast. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you must've been, you must've been excited to hit the downhill. Cause then you could really spread the gap between you, but oops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that downhill is like pretty horrible. It's 700 meters descent on like little, like ankle rolling boulder rocks. It's a Jeep road oh, that's yeah. deep. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you imagine after being out there for 35 hours descending that, it was it was horrible. So I think it took me three and a half hours that last, like from Cunningham Gulch to the finish line, which apparently was a decent time. But yeah, I didn't run a single well, I ran the last block. <laughs> That's all that matters. That's what got yeah. you on camera. And, yeah, and the girl, the girls didn't pass me, so that was <laughs> and got you to a sixth place female finish. Wow! Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, which was really exciting because, as you know, I'm all or nothing. So normally the nothing involves getting past a bunch, like late in the race, because I just give up. Like, I just don't. If I'm not going to win, then who cares, right? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, so I'm really happy I didn't have that attitude. I was like, you know what, just do the best you can, whatever doesn't matter, like whatever that is. And I think the fact that I was in sixth place, pretty much like start to finish kind of reflects that, that I just kept steady and everybody was hurting and we all, you know, I just kept hurting same amount and yeah, I was, I was really happy. Nice. That's amazing. And you kissed the rock at the end, of course. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if I, if I didn't kiss it, like, do you don't do not finish or like what happens? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. It's not official. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking just kiss the back of the ram's head. Kiss the back of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Good for you. Yeah, congrats. And what what, what would be next now? Who what can top that? Your 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 goal is completed. What's next for you? Um, well, in 2020, I joined some friends to hike the GDT, which is the trail from the border um, with between Alberta and Montana. Um, and then it travels north past Jasper up to Kakwa. And we were attempting to set the fastest known time. And due to bad weather, we stopped at Mount Robson. So there's, I haven't done the whole trail end to end continuously. So I would like to try again. And probably start at the north end at Kakwa and then work my way down to Montana. So that's definitely a goal, but that's like a month long hike. So Ooh. it's tough to get the time off work. And then, you know, you're, you're hiking like 50, 60 kilometers a day. And then just the logistics of it and trying to book campsites and stuff is really challenging. So mm. not sure. Like I'd love if that happened next year, but I don't know if that's realistic. So that's really important. And then, I don't know, I like to explore. So Alberta has tons of exploring and I think I'll just, uh, oh, I am running a race though. I'm running a 50 mile August 13th. So that's uh, Iron Legs. It'll be my fifth time running it. So I decided to sign up as soon as I got back from Hard Rock because I figure the the altitude has got to make me like super fit. Right? Yes, so. <laughs> take advantage. <laughs> yeah, so I've because I've run it before and I have I know my previous times I feel like I can get get after it and maybe get a personal best on the course and hmm. so yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and now that you've have a ticket to Hard Rock again next year, you would put your name back in. I think so. You know what? Like, it's pretty rare that a race lives up to the hype. And I honestly, I didn't think Hard Rock could live up to the hype. Hard Rock did live up to the hype, like 100%. And I think all my friends agreed with me on that, that we're first timers. And that's like super rare, right? So it would be cool to do it in the other direction if I have an opportunity. But I don't think I would spend three weeks vacation to do it again. Mm. So I think I need to do some research into altitude acclimation at home, right? Mm. So getting in a tent or doing like some high altitude workouts or something, but yeah, the acclimation is really important and I just, it's just too much time. So it's kind of where I'm at. You can see like the people who live in Colorado, it was like night and day. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like, this isn't fair. We should have two races. <laughs> it's their backyard. What do you do? Yeah. But then you look at Killian and he lives at sea level. So I'm like, oh. I have no excuse. He's a freak of nature. Yes. You can't, yes. No one should ever compare themselves to Killian. I was watching the video today from 2017 when he separated his shoulder within the first, what, yeah. 20 miles, and he just tucked it into his vest and kept going. It like, still wins. who does that? I know. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Well. Well. Before we let you go, we like to finish off our podcast with some rapid fire questions just for fun. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ready? Ready. Okay. Beer or wine? Uh, depends what I'm eating. <laughs> Good <laughs> answer. For, yeah. Post race, I'll say uh, beer for sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you have a tattoo? No. No? Would you get one? Of the ram? <laughs> no, I thought about getting a tattoo. I think I want one that's like TY for thank you. And just to like remind myself to have gratitude because I'm I have a pretty blessed, lucky life. So Aww, that's lovely. If I, if I get a tattoo, that will be it. Okay. Yeah. What's your favorite smell? Mm, a fresh package of Oreos. When you <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Well, I could cross off the next question, which is what's your go-to snack in an aid station? Probably. So you've already answered that. Okay. <laughs> I ate so many Oreos at Hard Rock. <laughs> Are you superstitious? No. No? No. Okay. What's another sport you'd like to excel in? Um, besides hiking? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, ultimate Frisbee. Whoa. That's complete yeah. opposite. <laughs> yeah. That many years ago, I had to kind of make a decision of like which one I was going to focus more on. So. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. So you must have been pretty good at that. Or you must be good at Frisbee. I was, I was decent. I mean, I, I there's a point when you're like, okay, am I going to be competitive or am I going to play beer league? Right. <laughs> yeah. What's the last concert you went to? Oh my God, like pre-COVID, I think. So I don't know, maybe Michael Bernard Fitzgerald, which you probably don't even know who that is. <laughs> no. He's, a, he's, he's a, a local um, like folk indie artist. Mm. Um, you should look him up. So MBF, uh, okay. he's, he's, he's awesome. He's really good. So if you're into indie type music. Yeah. Cool. Butter tarts with or without yes. raisins? With. Yes. <laughs> this is this is our little <laughs> okay cheater question. When I also all winter when I'm ski touring, I bring butter tarts, like my favorite. <laughs> if you could travel back in time, what period would you go to and why? Oh my god, it's a tough one, but uh -huh. it's a good one. Not yeah, just, not just your life. It could be any time in history. history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, am I stuck there? No, mm -mm. just travel okay. back. Just be observing. Oh, okay. Just <laughs> yeah, observe. I, well, I would love to go back to like Littlefoot, right? And see like the dinosaurs. Oh, there you oh, go. Yeah. Land before time era, whatever era that is, that would yeah. be amazing. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> 
and give us the truth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I would I would want humans eventually. So yeah, they can come home. <laughs> wow, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes, thank you, Joanna. It's been a thank pleasure you. listening to your story of your nine year journey yeah we thought we yeah. had it bad with seven years but yeah. nine years is is pretty epic ah <laughs> uh, thank you yeah there's a lot of people there was like 10 plus so yeah such a hard just, race such a hard race checking yeah you'll get there eventually i keep telling just keep going put your tickets in you will get there yeah. any advice yeah. to people that have been in the lottery for a while just that it's worth it like I'm so happy I got in because I was basically given up. And now that I've done it, I do think I needed the mental maturity of another nine years of running to, to go and like have, like have a good time out there. Right. Like despite the vomiting and whatever, I, I had a good time. Um, and I think if I'd gotten in earlier, I would not have been able to really appreciate it. So mm. just know that if it's taking a long time that you're just, building up that mental resilient resiliency to have an even better hard rock when you get there. That's great advice. Awesome. Great advice. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. All right. Okay. Well, okay. We'll keep in touch. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Cheers. Okay. Bye. 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 Well, congrats to Joanna for completing hard rock. It sounds like an absolute, crazy race <laughs> and i'm just reading under the logo on the map wild and tough sure sounds wild and tough to me yeah uh it took her nine years she was gonna call it quits but i keep telling that to people too about western states or utmb just keep going i know that people want to do these races when they're in their prime or you know to get the best result hey sometimes it's about the experience uh, it's about the experience once you get to the start line after going through all those lottery qualifications. It's always about the experience, yeah. unless you're a pro. Yeah. So <laughs> just keep going. You'll get there. And then... Get your money's worth. Believe me, you can look back. And, and if you didn't get your goal done, you could be. that's what's going to... Haunt eat, you eat, in Haunt here. you. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> you got to keep going. And you get it done. All right. That was Joanna. Until next time. We are your hosts, Jody and Norman. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Please visit our website, gotterunracing.com, for more details and join us on social media at gotterunracing on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can support our channel by joining us on Patreon. All of the links can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Cheers. <laughs>